This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Everything that seems to exist independently is in reality all one, single, all-encompassing whole. Nothing is separate. Valeria Telles interviews Stephen Hawley Martin, the author of The Secret of Life, Accept It, Embrace It, Discover Pure Joy. Best-selling author Stephen Hawley Martin has had more than half a dozen titles achieve bestseller status on Amazon.com, and is the only three-time winner of the Writer's Digest Book Award, having won first prize twice for fiction and once for nonfiction. He also has won a first prize for visionary fiction from independent publisher and a first prize for nonfiction from USA Book News. In all, he has written 17 books under his own name and has ghostwritten a half dozen more, including a memoir for a $2.5 billion in sales tech company CEO, a best-selling business management title for another tech company CEO, and two titles for consultants in the Six Sigma and Lean production arena. For two years, he hosted a successful weekly internet talk radio show, The Truth About Life, which averaged 30,000 listener downloads per episode. A former advertising agency president and CEO, he is current editor and publisher of the Oaklea Press, Click here to visit the Oaklea Press website, where you can learn how Stephen can help bring your book or your book idea to market. Meet Stephen at shmartin.com. Here's the interview with Stephen Hawley Martin. In your own words, who is Stephen Hawley Martin? Oh, well, Stephen Hawley Martin is, uh, I guess, if you're talking about what I do, I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a ghostwriter, and I'm a publisher. And uh, But I think more than anything, I'm a, a spark of the divinity that's, uh, I guess, experiencing my own creation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'll be exploring that, that phrase in many different ways today. So, so um, I guess my second question, official question, is about 2020 and the insights you have gained. Talk to me about that. What insights have you gained in 2020 from the events in 2020? Oh, gosh, 2020 was uh, quite a, a year that I just so kind of forget. I don't know. I mean, yeah. probably a lot of people would agree with me about that. I mean, it was um, crazy, all the things that went on. It's uh, amazing to have lived through it, not only the pandemic and, uh, and being kind of isolated from other people in a great sense, but also all the politics and the... Uh, riots and things that went on and then 
I really uh, kind of at a loss for words because it was such a tumultuous year that, uh, you know, I would have just soon have missed that one. I, could, <laughs> I would like to have been on a tropic island somewhere <laughs> sitting on the beach drinking a pina colada instead of <laughs> Uh, have you gained any insights, learned any lessons, profound lessons from those events? Yeah, I think the main thing I uh, have learned is that the world, and particularly in the United States, we need to uh, kind of cool it a little bit and and maybe uh, give each other a little more love and a lot less uh, throwing rocks at each other and so forth. I think we need to get back to... Uh, realizing that we're all one and that we, uh, you know, we each have our different points of view, but just because we have a different point of view doesn't mean that we're somebody that we should, you know, criticize or hate or whatever. I think just gone too far in many ways. And I hope the pendulum swings back in the other direction. What is the mind and what are thoughts from your perspective? Uh, well, the mind is um, something that has been built up over the current your current lifetime our current each one of us has a mind that uh, is based on our experiences we have a conscious mind which is what where we're experiencing what we're experiencing but it's it's uh, really only a very small percentage of the total mind which includes a couple of different layers one is the unconscious mind which is what we've learned and 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 how we've reacted to what we've experienced over this particular lifetime then we have the subconscious mind which includes everything we've ever experienced over many lifetimes and then there's of course the uh, the collective unconscious mind which is everybody's unconscious or subconscious mind and all the way up to the superconscious mind which is just about everything, if you will, the Kashic records and so forth. And consciousness, Stephen, I know you mentioned in the book, it's not localized. So consciousness and awareness, are they the same? Do you use those two words the same way? Uh, I pretty much do use them the same way. Consciousness is being aware, yes, of what is going on around us. That's uh, certainly, yeah, I would say the two things are synonymous. So when you say non-local, would that be somehow outside of us or close to the body or out there and we are inspired to call it in and um, navigate through it? Yeah, I would say that consciousness really is everywhere. To me, consciousness is the ground of being. It's, it's what creates reality and physical reality, all reality, this dimension and every other dimension. And... The, the fact of the matter is, research has shown, and this I refer to in my book, uh, the University of Virginia School of Medicine being the prime example, has shown that really the brain does not create consciousness. The brain is a receiver of consciousness. You might compare it to a cell phone or to a radio or a television set that receives signals from somewhere else and... and uh, and that's what the brain does. It receives consciousness. It certainly affects our consciousness because, but it doesn't create it. And it integrates our consciousness with our body, consciousness with our body. So there's one consciousness and we f may feel separate because we're experiencing it through our brains, which focuses it uh, and makes us think we're separate. But we're really not. There's only one consciousness. Only one mind. So would you say that too? I would say there's one mind. Uh, there are different 
parts of it. As I said, we each have our own unconscious mind. We have our own uh, subconscious mind, but it all blends together into one mind. When you, when you, I think there, uh, the School of Metaphysics out in uh, Missouri says that there's something like five or six levels of mind, but it all blends together. And when it comes to spirituality, what is the relationship between consciousness, the mind, and spirituality? Well, I think uh, that, again, all is one, and consciousness is how we experience it. But spirituality, spirit, I think it was Edgar Casey who said, spirit is the life. Mm -hmm. You might call that the life force. Right. It's what animates your body. It's what animates my body. Mind is the builder. It's what take it. your thoughts create your reality. Right. Thoughts are really what have to happen before anything is created. And, you know, an architect puts his thoughts down on paper and eventually that becomes a house or a building. And so Casey's way of saying that was spirit is the life. The mind is the builder, and the physical is the result, mm-hmm. and uh, and that really sums up what you know what reality is, and how we got here. Would you say then that everything we see, everything around us in this reality, is spiritual? It is everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's you know the the Hindus, the Ritchies, back in I don't know four or five thousand years ago, whenever they lived believe that uh, I think they called it Verda or Brahman was what was behind all reality and then it's really all seamless one thing and it just because of our senses uh, our sight and our hearing and our touch and smell and so forth we we think that we're separate and we think that things out there are separate but they're really all one underneath it's that Brahman, that Verda, that consciousness or spirit, if you will, uh, that's behind everything. And, and it's all a seamless whole. And, and they were apparently able to perceive it as such. What would you say is the purpose of the human experience? I think we're here to learn. I think that the earth is a school and uh, that we're here to, uh, to experience and to learn from our experiences, you know, there's, I think the best analogy, the best uh, allegory, I guess it would say, would be the movie, that one that everybody knows is the movie, The yeah. uh, Groundhog Day, right. where you've got uh, the Bill Murray character who's kind of a cynic, and he's, you know, he's... Uh, yeah. He's <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> he causes all kinds of problems for everybody, including himself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it keeps happening over and over again until he learns to deal with each situation differently. And when he finally does, uh, that's when he's able to move on to February 3 to the next day. But I think that's what life is. And we're uh, here to learn and we will experience the same kinds of things over and over again until we learn to deal with them in the right way, which is with love mm-hmm. and caring and so forth, rather than uh, being cynical like the Bill Murray character. <laughs> so it really is a great uh, uh, story and, and I think illustrates what we're do- what's happening to us. Every day is, is uh, Groundhog Day. So the ultimate lesson is to learn how to love. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. What are some of the greatest misunderstandings about happiness and joy, in your opinion? 
Well, I think the, probably the biggest uh, misunderstanding is that we can achieve happiness uh, by the things that we acquire and get. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that's not going to, that may bring a temporary sense of happiness, you know, to get your new uh, Mercedes Benz or your new mansion in uh, new McMansion in the suburbs. But uh, after a while that wears off and, uh, <laughs> and then you want more and more and more and getting more and more and more is not going to make you happy. I think that the only True happiness can come, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but it's absolutely true. The only true happiness can come from within. Mm -hmm. And to me, the way you can start to achieve that happiness is to realize who you really are at the core. And you're that spirit, that uh, divine essence at the core that we're all connected and we're all one. And uh, that's where you need to start. Do you believe that we can reach that level of learning the ultimate lesson of love in a human body before we move on? Yeah, I think we, I think we can get there. I mean, I, it's unconditional love is, is the really is the goal. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that we have to get all the way there before we move on, but I think we can go pretty far toward it. And we probably, some people do achieve it. But I don't think we can move on until we're pretty far along that in that direction. Another book I wrote recently was is called the uh, How to Achieve Fourth Density. It's the, based on the raw material. And it says that this the earth is moving into what Ra calls the fourth density, which is uh, a time when more and more people are realizing what we're talking about now and uh, are uh, able to begin to love unconditionally and to serve others and so forth. And so I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Yeah. We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. Still. That's true. But it seems like we are having a deeper understanding about it. So that's the first step, I would say. And speaking of the first step on um, unconditional love, would you also say that starts with loving ourselves unconditionally? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's impossible right. to love others until you first love yourself. I mean, self-love. So many people, I think, you know, get down on themselves. They think, yeah. oh, gosh, I, you know, did this and that was terrible and I'm a bad person and so forth. And and that uh, <laughs> that's not going to help you love others. Uh, no, I think you have to start with that. And, you know, as Jesus said, and to do unto others as you would have others doing yourself. Well, if you're not nice to yourself, how are you going to be nice to others? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You wrote the book, among so many other wonderful titles. The one that we are talking today is The Secret of Life, Accept It, Embrace It, Discover Pure Joy. So I guess the question I have about it is the initial question. What was the inspiration and also the purpose of writing this book? Well, the inspiration was I uh, happened to look at a YouTube video not before I started writing this book. I, I happened to see a YouTube video that was uh, a lecture by a quantum physicist who was talking about the, the Hindu... Uh, Ricci's, which I mentioned earlier, who uh, believe that all creation comes from what they call Verda, which, if, when you boil it down, is 
essentially consciousness. And that each of us at our core is consciousness. And this is something that I had realized or thought for a long time. But the more and more I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's something that most people don't know, most people in the West at least. And the reason being is that we have grown up in a culture with uh, where our religions, whether it's Christianity or Judaism or even Islam, uh, have God as something separate from us. That uh, God is, uh, you know, I think of the man on a, with a long white beard up on a cloud has somehow created us and sort of turned us loose when that's not really what reality is. The Ricci's who lived four or 5,000 years ago were right. And that was what this particular uh, quantum physicist was saying, that he believes that what they were talking about for him is the unified field, what he calls the unified field, which is what everything comes from, what physical reality comes from. Well, that, if you can get your mind around that and accept that, that that's what each of us are, it will give you a totally new way to look at the world and the universe. And I thought, well, gosh, that really is the secret of life. And that's what I want to write a book about and explain that to people so that they will understand who they are. Because once they do, it becomes something that is totally empowering to them. They don't have to pay attention to their ego. They can observe their ego and decide whether or not to pay attention to it, for example. So that's why I wrote the book. And speaking of the ego, what would that be, Stephen? Well, the ego is uh, a part of us, our mind, that has uh, been built up over uh, our lifetime, particularly this lifetime where it's a result of our experiences and how we've reacted to them. And the ego, its whole job is to survive and to to not die. But in doing so, it's always reacting to things and reacting to and causing us, therefore, to react to things perhaps in a way that's not productive at all or conducive to unconditional love. So right. What we need to do is step back and realize that, that the ego is not us. It's a construct from our experiences and how we've reacted to them. And we don't have to listen to it if it's not telling us uh, stuff that's constructive, you know. Another question I have that um, I wanted to ask you is about the choosing to be here in the human body. Do you believe we made that choice? not just to choose, but go through everything that we go through in order to learn the lesson? I think we do. I think we do. I, I believe that we, before we incarnate, uh, we get some sort of a, we have a particular mission, perhaps, yeah. that we, we want to accomplish or and or we have certain things that we want to learn and that we choose our parents and the circumstances of our birth and both where we're born and who we're born to and so on, so that the conditions are there for us to be able to pursue that mission and to learn those lessons. And so I think it's kind of planned out before we are born. Not that we always accomplish our missions or learn what we need to learn, but conditions are there for that to happen. And also the people around us and our family, you know, you might have a, Mother or father have certain traits. You may not like them, 
but they may be what you need in order to learn the lesson that you came here to learn. So, you know, I think it's all kind of a dance that's coordinated on the other side before you before you even get here. Is that for you has become a knowing? And have you stepped out of that stage of belief, of believing in something, and has becoming now a knowing? All these things that I'm talking about have become a knowing to me, as you say. And it used to be, it hasn't always been that way. I would say it's probably taken me close to 20 years to to really have it transfer from being intellectual, knowing, or, you know, this must be true, to this is the way it is. And one of the reasons as far as the what we were just talking about, choosing your parents and so forth, is that I've thought back on my own life and my own parents and the situation I was born into. And it's obvious to me that uh, that, that was what I needed. And I, got, I came to the right place and uh, to the right parents for me to, to evolve the way I have in this lifetime. Yeah, it's interesting how we are born with this knowing and then somehow we forget. But we actually don't forget. We're just uh, programmed in a different way and then we get lost within the ego. Yeah, and I think that the uh, the veil of forgetting is what you're referring to is something that is 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 you know in this reality in this stage of our evolution as human beings and humankind uh, is necessary because if we knew everything right. from the beginning we wouldn't learn the lessons you know we have to we have to we have to stub our toe and uh, scrape our knee before we learn you know how to do it right. And uh, we, can, we can know things intellectually, but to really take them in, we have to experience and, and go through the trauma and pain of, of learning. It seems to be the case with most of us. I have heard about some people who are born um, in a different way with this understanding of unconditional love and that they don't have to go through. They call them spiritual teachers or the uh, indigo children, too. Is that something that you that you have seen? Yes, I have seen. I I, uh, I do know people who remember their past lives, for example, and uh, and are they're they're more advanced souls, and they're here primarily to uh, to teach, as you said. Uh, I think somebody like Jesus would be an example, an extreme example, who he really knew what was what. Uh, if you I think the Christian church has kind of misinterpreted a lot of what he said. But if you read it with the realization that we all are one and that we all are manifestations of the divine experiencing our creation, and Jesus knew that. You know, he said, for example, if, if those who have seen me have seen the Father. He also said, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did to me. Well, he's talking about the fact that he knows that he is all, all is one, and he is one with everyone. And uh, that's not something the Christian church necessarily uh, says because they don't see that. But yeah. that's what it is. And there are other people like that. I have, I have a friend who is very much that way, for example. And he's, he's quite a, <laughs> quite a uh, spiritual leader. So you say that the secret of life, it's not easy to be accepted. Well, it isn't because we're, um, you know, as I said earlier, we're, 
in a culture that would have us believe that, first of all, that there is no thing spiritual, that all is material, material reality, materialism, uh, the idea that when you that we're we're computer like brains in uh, robot like bodies and when the, when we die it's like pulling the plug and that's it and so we're brought up many of us to think that way and even if we're not brought up to think that way we're brought up to think that God is separate the guy with the long white beard sitting on a cloud who picks winners and losers and you know. Uh, that's not the way it is. And so because we're, Mm -hmm. that's our culture, that's programmed into us to have us think that we're separate and that we're like those robots that I talked about. And so it's hard, very hard, I think, to realize that all is one and that we, in fact, are uh, spirit and consciousness expressing itself through a human body and that we've come, that we're spiritual Creatures who have come into this three-dimensional physical reality through a human body, we through the through our mother's womb, and through that fetus that then grew into who we are today. And but the fact of the matter is that our bodies are vehicles that are necessary for us to have in order to be able to interact and be part of this physical reality. I mean, without the dark and the light, the opposites, yeah, it wouldn't be possible. So everything is one, and at the same time, it's not, which is yeah. a wonderful paradox, too, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's that's the nature of physical reality, and you have to have black in order for there to be white, and it has to be up in order for there to be down, and so on. Talk to me about how do we create our reality? How do we start to creating, per se, a better reality? Well, I think the, you start by realizing that's, that it's your thoughts and beliefs, really more your beliefs, yeah, yeah. that create your reality. If someone uh, is convinced, for example, that they are a victim, that people are out to get them and that they're discriminated against, then that's going to be their reality because that's how they're going to react to the world and to others around them who may see as they're, you know, people that are persecuting them. And, and uh, so the way to change your reality is to start by changing your beliefs. If you believe that you can accomplish something, chances are you can accomplish it. You may have to go to school, for example, to learn a particular trade or, or whatever it may be, but you have the capacity, everyone has the capacity to achieve much more in life than, than they probably think they can, because, but it's because their beliefs are probably what's holding them back. So the way you create the reality you want is to change your beliefs to those that will produce the reality that you want. Do you distinguish beliefs from values? Are they somehow different? I think they're definitely connected. Values, good and evil, and so on and so forth are, I would say they're a form of belief. A value is a form of belief, yeah, now that I think about it. I hadn't really thought about it much before, but yes, I do. I think they're, they're if not one and the same, they're definitely one stems from the other. Values come from your beliefs, I guess. I would say so too. Although values, they are often 
connected to positive thinking or positive beliefs? They seem to be connected, right, Stephen? Yeah, I would say so. If you have good values, it's because you have positive beliefs. You know, if you think that anything goes, uh, that it's okay to steal, for example, that's got to be based on some kind of a negative uh, negative belief. So, yeah, I would say you're right about that. Staying with the topic of positive thinking, you mentioned in your book you have a whole session about thinking positive to get to get rid of, of fear or to removing fear or dealing with fear. So talk to me about self-talk and um, positive self-talk and how do we use that to become less fearful? Yeah, well, the, uh, you're right. I think fear can and does cause probably most of our personal problems, the fact that we're afraid of whatever it is. And there there are six basic fears that I cover in the book that uh, that need to be dealt with, and, and we can go into those. But as far as positive self-talk is concerned, always put whatever uh, you're telling yourself into a positive statement. Don't, in other words, do not say, do not say, <laughs> don't miss this shot. You know, say you're in tennis. Say, I will hit this shot. I will make this shot. Not, I don't want to miss it, if you see what I mean. Because what happens is the subconscious, the unconscious mind doesn't understand the negative. Mm -hmm. It only hears, miss this shot, not the don't part. You see what I mean? Right, yes. So you need to always, and in fact, one of the examples I use, I'm not sure if it's in this book or not, but it's a couple of people are playing tennis and uh, say your opponent is really having a good day, and when you cross him at the net changing ends, you say, uh, Henry, you are doing a great job. You don't double fault on the next uh, <laughs> right. the next point. Yeah. And what will happen is he's going to double fault because what his mind hears is double fault. He doesn't hear the don't because right. you know, he starts thinking about that. So that's a dirty, a terribly dirty thing to do, but it works. I can tell you. So yeah, always wow. if you said hit a great shot on the next time, then that would be the way to handle that. Yeah, that might be the reason that we hear a lot of the uh, the affirmations uh, methods, and even more makes more sense to me is to go with the feelings and not emotions. Yeah, I don't connect those two. I think they're separate. They're different. Yeah, feelings are a big uh, beliefs and feelings are also connected you know right. and in fact you not only have to i guess change your beliefs but you need to change how you feel about things right. as well because that influences how you react toward things how you behave as well as what you believe and so yeah feelings can are a big part of it so we're almost at the end. I do have um, lots of questions here for you, but I guess I will focus my last questions on, or the last question for this section is about the feminine and masculine approach to balancing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, what is balance to you first, Stephen? And then talk well, to me about those two. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I mean by that is uh, when you're you're trying to create your most, desirable reality 
you need to go into your mind and a lot of things in there that need sort of like cleaning out your attic. You know, you need to get some of the beliefs and feelings and so forth that are in there uh, changed. And there's a couple of ways to do it. There's the feminine way and there's the masculine way. And the feminine way is to to think about something that has been a problem for you and go to why it has been and kind of feel that. And and somehow by feeling it, you're going to to emancipate it. You're going to get rid of it. Whereas the masculine is more of an intellectual way of going about it and uh, and rationalizing. And I think the feminine way will get you there quicker, but the masculine way is maybe not as heart-wrenching or difficult as it might be when you kind of relive an experience and therefore uh, uh, expunge it that way, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So that's the two different ways of of dealing with stuff that's holding you back in your your subconscious mind or unconscious mind. And these two energies, feminine and masculine, we all have them, right? Oh, yes. That's the yin and the yang. Is there a moment in time that we will reach that point of being in balance? Oh, it's always a dance, this movement of going back to balance. Yeah, I think that that's it is possible to reach a point of being in balance between the positive and the negative. And, and, uh, but probably most of us won't get there this lifetime. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It really sounds like it <laughs> for now. It's a movement, right? This dance. Yeah. Yeah. And we just have to keep working at it, you know, and things will get better and better as we do. Yeah. For me, it's like, almost like learning the way home. So by knowing that the path, then it's okay to be out of balance. I'm not afraid even of being out of balance, which is a great deal. (laughs) It helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, we're almost at the end. I have these few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Well, I just would like to tell people to please visit my website, which is www.shmartin.com. S is in Sam, H is in Henry, and Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N.com. And you can click on a, on the menu there, books, and it'll show you most of my books. And you can find out about each one of them just by clicking on the cover image. And, and uh, you know, hopefully you'll find something there that, that uh, will be helpful to you. And particularly this one we've been talking about today, The Secret of Life embrace it, uh, accept it, embrace it, and discover pure joy. Yes, and you do have a wonderful library of books. <laughs> so it means like candy when I go there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. wow, so many. <laughs> Which one? Um, yeah, it's wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Um, my last question to you, Stephen, is I think I asked you last year as well, not sure I don't remember what you said, but I do have also a record of that, which is almost my own way of keeping record of wisdom. But I'll ask you again, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Oh, three things about life that I know for sure. I would say that uh, we're eternal. We uh, can improve our life by changing our beliefs. And that the most important thing in life is to develop unconditional love toward everyone, even, you know, even your enemies. Everybody 
has a reason for why they are why they are like they are and some and everybody is at a different level of awareness and so you can't really condemn others because they don't think the way you do i think it's important to realize that they're doing probably the best they can and and just accept them as they are because you're not going to change them Thank you so much again for your wisdom, timeless wisdom, as I call it, um, beautiful presence, the work that you do trying to help humanity to grow and evolve and everything else in between. Thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this session. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now, Stephen. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Stephen Hawley Martin and his work, please visit shmartin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.